Who will you emerge as when you no longer conform to the rigid ideas you've been bought and sold into? When you no longer bow down, play small, or shrink yourself to fit their standards? I see you. I hear you. I feel you. And I am here with you. This is Addicted to the Man, the show where we challenge the status quo and evoke radical change. Be prepared to receive life-changing transmissions while you cry, laugh, celebrate, and liberate yourself. Let's have a talk. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Addicted to the Man. I am Henny, and I'm currently recording this episode in beautiful Oaxaca, Mexico. And before I start, I want to first pause and appreciate you and extend my gratitude to all of you listeners and all of you cheerleaders who send me messages and sometimes in very subtle ways, keep encouraging me to keep going and keep talking. So thank you. I truly do appreciate you from the depth of my heart. And today, I want to dedicate this episode to my dear friend who always seems to step in the right time and help me get a new perspective on things. You know, I tend to wander away and I get too distracted with all the shiny, luring things, you know, my addictions, the sirens of the seas, and I I start getting scattered and I really am all over the place. She steps in and calmly directs me back to my center. So this one is for you, my friend. Okay, let's dive in and let's start talking. What is this question about? Why do I feel like a damn fraud? And I might as well have called this episode, Why Do We Feel Like a Fraud? As I know, I'm not alone with this question. I, I had the honor to encounter countless human beings who were brave enough and really kind enough to let their guards down, let me get close to them. And and they showed me their hearts, naked and transparent, and they revealed their fear of feeling like a fraud, like a big fat lie. So how did this topic even come about? How did I get here that I I'm sitting down here in Mexico, and I'm sharing a story with you that could very well have started me on this path feeling like a fraud so many years ago. Well, it started with a walk. I, I, I was taking a walk in, in the jungle with my youngest daughter, and I was at ease. I was totally relaxed obviously very joyful and um, connected to nature. And this is when inspirations usually come to me. This is where old memories start coming back. And, and this is when a thought, a memory popped into my head. And it kind of shocked me actually, uh, because I don't, I don't know where it came from. It came out of the blue and, and it stopped me in my tracks. I literally stopped And I looked at my daughter and I said, hey, you know what? I have a story. I have have a secret that I've never told anyone. And I think I'm about to share it with you. And she didn't seem to 
intrigued or too interested um, about my story. So we kept walking, but I continued on relaying this, this story to her. And so as I'm sitting down here now and, and really getting my thoughts together, I'm going to attempt to be a little more thorough and paint a more vivid picture in your mind to show you just how silly and insig insignificant, seemingly silly and insignificant this story is, and yet how this could have very well shaped the course of my life in a negative way. So let's transport you back to 1992 when all of this was happening. I was 19 years old, fresh out of the Eastern Bloc, and I was so very happy to be in the, in the U.S. After all, this, this was my dream. This was my desire to be living in America. And I had just taken a job at this wholesale distribution company. It was called something on the lines of Worldwide Something. Pretty impressive name. But I don't quite remember. But it was in Dallas, Texas. You see, up until this point... I have been in the U.S. as a visitor, maybe six months or so. And little did I know that when my visitor visa expired, I had very few options to remain in the States. And unfortunately for me, I ran out of all my options. And it, came, it basically came down to this, go back home to Eastern Europe or stay in the U.S. undocumented, meaning illegal. And I did go to an immigration lawyer to consult him because I wanted to find a loophole. I wanted to find a way to stay in the U.S. somehow, some way. And I have to be grateful to this lawyer because he really saw my desperation and he understood how important it was for me to stay in the U.S. So he, after he told me his professional advice, which was to go back to Eastern Europe. And, um, but he also followed up with, you know, letting me know that the chances of me getting another visa and coming back were slim to none. But he also shared with me his personal, personal advice. And that was to blend in. He basically leaned over and in a very soft spoken voice, he looked into deep into my eyes and he said, if you want to know my personal opinion, I will tell you to stay here, lay low, blend in, learn English, become like an American suburbanite woman. I mean, after all, you do look the part and I, and I do, I do look the part. And one day, you will get married and get your green card. And so that was, that was the plan. That was my plan. So what is a girl to do when she's 19 years old and living in Dallas, Texas, with no documentation whatsoever to be able to apply for a job? Well, she looks a little deeper. She gets a little more creative and starts entertaining other options. And I did have a couple of options available to me. Option number one was me working in a sweatshop. And option number two was peddling product 
door to door. And you may think that it was very hard for me to decide, but the decision was easy because I knew that working in a sweatshop would most likely not provide me with the skills needed to blend in to suburbia. I would probably learn a different language altogether, if you know what I mean. So I rushed to the headquarters of this wholesale distribution office and I said in my very broken English that I want to get a job. So this is where the story begins. I want you to kind of understand what a day in this wholesale distribution center looked like, what a day working for this company looked like. It kind of felt like a scene from the Elf movie, The Land of the Misfits. I mean, I looked around and I wondered, what the hell? Why and how these people from all walks of life ended up here? Gathering in a big stinky room at seven o'clock in the morning, ready for their hurrah pep rally, and then hitting the streets with these ridiculous products that were dumped in this office. Junk, really, that no one really knew what to do with. It was shipped here and we peddlers were to sell them. I mean, I'm talking troll dolls. Do you remember troll dolls? Those of you who are old enough, we had these hideous troll dolls in boxes with different color hair that we went around selling door to door. Or, or, or how about those leather duffel bags with tiny patches of low-grade bonded leather or those ginormous calculators. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, I'm trying to paint a picture here for you to see just how ridiculous this whole establishment was. And how ridiculous these items were that we were selling. And we were dressed in our business att attire. Men were actually required to put on a tie. And the majority, maybe 95 to 98% of people working there were men. And this is Dallas, Texas. So, you know, we were sweating our asses off. Drags, we were dragging our fully packed bags of shitty merchandise, walking the streets, peddling. So our, after our initial morning hoo-ha session where we were pumped up with motivational bullshit, we packed up our cars and picked a territory and we hit the pavement pavement. I was one of the very few people that had a car and I always left the office with a couple of additional people who uh, they teamed me up with, but often I came back alone as many of them decided to say, fuck this shit <laughs> right in the middle of the day. And they kind of disappeared on me. The turnover at this establishment was, was quite high to say the least. But not me. No, 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 sir. Not me. I did not quit. I was determined. Plus, I had no other options, on it, obviously. But I was determined to learn English. And I really wanted to learn English. And what better way to learn a language than, you know, bother people in their workplace and try to convince them to buy crap that I'm selling that I wouldn't even spend a dime on. <laughs> 
needless to say, in the first few words of English that I learned uh, did not really help me blend into suburbia as per my plan. They were more on the side of street language, words like or phrases like get the fuck out of my office or what part of no soliciting do you not understand or get out of my office before I call the cops on you. You get the picture. So I, so I had a job. I was a peddler. And I was a hard worker. I wanted to prove myself. I, I also wanted to make money. And I did what I had to do. And little by little, I started speaking English. And I got good at sales. And I really got good at sales. I would go in the morning with my car packed high with merchandise. And very often I would return to the office midday to reload, meaning I had sold out of all my merchandise and went back to get more. And I became the talk of the office. The big boss started to pay attention to me and used me as an example for his early morning pep rally talk. He would, he would basically pull me to the front of the room using me as an object to shame the men with the intent to motivate them to sell more. And I say men because, like I mentioned before, 95 to 98% of people working there were men. I hardly ever saw another woman. It was mainly just me. And he would say things like, this little girl not speaking proper English can kick your asses any day. Will you let that happen? Are you such weak crybabies, cows? You complain about the heat. You complain about the people telling you to fuck off. Or you complain about a little bit of rain. Look at her. No complaints. She's just doing the do and she's a superstar. He gave me a pat on my back. And there it was. A superstar. It felt like he just put a stamp on me. I was called superstar, the top salesperson who made grown men jealous with envy, who came back every single day with a huge roll of cash. Yep, I was rolling in the dough. I was a high roller. And there at that moment, I had also stamped myself with my very own stamp. I don't know if I would call it a stamp of approval or some kind of scarlet letter, but I had stamped myself with this superstar salesperson, Henny Stamp. I had become superstar salesperson, Henny. And the bar has been set for me. And I had to live up to this expectation of mine. I, and I started to effort more. My ego started to grow with pride. And the desire for more was ever growing. See, up until, see, up until this point, I was a simple, ordinary salesperson trying to do her best. I wasn't really worried about anything other than doing my job to the best of my abilities. I just really wanted to make some money learn English, find a husband, and live happily ever after in suburbia or something like that. But 
something shifted within me. And now I was to live up to this title. I was now to be the role model for these men, these crybabies who couldn't handle it all. And I became focused. And the only thing that mattered was to live up to this title. I stopped caring how much money I made. I didn't care. What was important was the title to be viewed, respected, and admired as this superstar. And can you relate? It need not be a stamp of, you know, superstar salesperson, honey. It could be something like a person who has the most amazing body or a beautiful face or a beautiful voice or anything at all that we attach ourselves to so much so that it becomes part of us. It actually becomes us and you identify with it and nothing else matters other than playing that role. And we all know what happens next, right? What goes up must come down. Slowly, my sales started to whittle down. The harder I tried, the more I seemed to repel people and I pushed my sales away and I started to panic. Some of the other guys in the office were getting close to my sales numbers and at times they even exceeded my numbers and I couldn't let this happen. I just could not. I couldn't face going back to the office at the end of the day with merchandise left over and not be the center of attention. I had to do something. I just had to do something. And then a brilliant idea came to mind. I am, after all, a superstar salesperson. And so this funk that I found myself in was surely just temporarily. Something's off. Something's in the air. And I'm momentarily losing my groove. I'll, I'll get it back. And this is basically the story I told my, myself. No problem. So, see, I was working six days a week and Sundays were my only days off. So I formulated a master plan. Hear me out. I was going to rent out a small storage unit, put my unsold merchandise in that said storage unit and use my free Sundays to go into residential areas and sell this stuff in secret. You see, the way this business model worked was like this. You get a slip with all the merchandise listed on there as you leave the office in the morning. And then when you get back at night, you settle your bill. You return the unsold merchandise. You pay the wholesale price for the ones that you sold. And you keep the rest as your payment, your commission. This is the money that you made, right? But as I started to stash away the unsold merchandise into my newly rented storage unit... And I returned to the office still acting like I sold it all. I had to dish out money for all the merchandise that I supposedly sold. Can you see this? This cut into my commission. And many times I had to resort back to my savings to actually cover the cost of the merch that was now stored in my secret storage unit.
It's just now landing with me as I just said it out loud because I didn't go into this much detail with my daughter, as I said. I simplified it for her, but now I'm really relaying this to you the way it was. And it's actually getting me sweating here. This is absolutely insane. Insane. So imagine it's like 6 p.m. in the evening. I'm trying to wrap up my day and get back to the office for to do paperwork and such. And to get that pat on the back, a superstar salesperson, Henny returned. And yet again, she had a very successful day. But the reality was that my car was still pretty much full with unsold merchandise because I was now panicking. I was now efforting so much that my sales have fumbled. You know, because now I wasn't at ease. I wasn't having fun. I wasn't just doing the do. I had an agenda. I had a goal. I, I was efforting my way through. And the harder I tried, the worse I performed. So I rush to my storage unit, which many times was completely out of the way as each and every day we had different territory to cover. Obviously, you can't back, go back with the same troll doll to the same people, you know, the next day. So I had chosen different territory every day. And those of you who know Dallas traffic, this could be quite challenging, especially around six o'clock in the evening. So it's getting late. It's getting dark. I'm stressing. I'm so freaking stressed because I'm driving like a maniac to be back on time. And I also ha have to hide all this merchandise that I haven't sold yet. So I'm creeping up to my storage unit, looking through my mirrors to make sure that I'm not being followed. <laughs> oh, God, I, I don't know why I thought I would be followed. Who the hell would be following me? But I did. Perhaps I just watched one too many Sherlock Holmes movies as a kid, but I, I sh I surely did think that I was followed. And I got out of my car again, looking around, making sure there are no eyes pointed at me or secret cameras watching what I was doing. Back my car into the storage unit, you know, roll the rolling door up and dump all my daily unsold merchandise on top of the ones that I already dumped there the day before and the day before and the day before. Can you see this? Can you, can you visual, can you imagine this in your mind's eye? Seeing me playing undercover fraud person, hiding the merchandise she's about to have to go pay for out of her pocket <laughs> into this dirty little storage unit. Can you see it? Can you see how fucking ridiculous this is? And with each and every run to this storage unit, my internal dialogue got harsher and harsher. You're a fucking fraud. Look at you, idiot. Who do you think you are? You're a damn joke. And on and on and on. And with this internal dialogue getting louder and uglier, my self-confidence went to shit started shrinking. 
I started feeling smaller and smaller. All the while, I was still trying to hold on to that title, playing that role. Like I couldn't get off the freaking stage. I had to stay in the role of superstar Henny. Now, I don't know how exactly the story ended, what got me to the point to stop this madness and close down my storage unit, but I do know this. I lost money on this entire ordeal, a lot of money. Instead of making money with my job, I lost money. I also lost my self-respect, but most importantly, what happened was it started a domino effect that kept going, gaining momentum, growing and escalating until now, 30 years later. Yeah. I want to pause here just for a moment and acknowledge the severity of this seemingly innocent, stupid little story. And as it settles in and I can, I can feel all of this, it becomes very clear why highly successful people, people we look up to, people we admire, people we put on the pedestal become depressed, unhappy, end up killing themselves. Because no matter what the outside world thinks of you, if you feel like you're not good enough, nothing matters. If you do not live up to your own stupid expectations, nothing else matters. The praise from the outside will carry you so far, but at some point, it will break. You will break. This madness will break. So this is my biggest secret, people, that I haven't told anyone until just a few days ago. And this secret was disguised as an insignificant little story that wasn't worth remembering, hidden deep within my being. The story of a girl who at one point, one point was full of life, full of passion, full of talent, who could go out and sell shitty merchandise in a foreign country against all odds, still keeping her innocence, though being able to fully support herself, even though she didn't have the right to be working, or better yet, she didn't even have the right to be in the country she loved so much. A girl who could do anything. A girl who at one point latched onto a lie, a deception, who got addicted to a title, to a prestige, to a story. Like a bad ingrown toenail, this title, this belief got stuck to her and she couldn't control it any longer. It took over her, eating up all her life force, her innocence, her beauty, her self-respect, her love for herself. Little by little, this girl turned into a bitter, self-hating person, unable to step into her full power and claim her whole self. She became a worn out, washed out, tired human being who wakes up in the middle of the night, frightened that she will not be able to continue on with this lie, with this fraud herself. She will not be able to take care of herself and her kids because she has no faith in herself. And that is where I stand. This girl, this woman is me. 
revealing my biggest secret that helped me self-sabotage my entire freaking life. Why is the story surfacing at this point in time? Because honestly, I'm ready to let go of this story. I'm ready to release this story from my cave, my secret box, from the depth of my being. You know, when I first sat down here, and I started talking and wanted to share this story with you. I had intended, I, I wanted to present it as a funny little joke, a, a story. Entertainment, really. Something to make you chuckle, make me chuckle. You know, I just want to be a funny person. Uh, use this pathetic little storyline um, and then walk away from it like a, a feel-good stand-up hour or a comedy that gives us a temporary high, a good laugh, an opportunity to carry on with our mediocre lives a little longer, to be able to swallow another day of lies and deception lived on this planet. But no, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to do that. I want to give it a better seat at the table. I want to give it proper weight it, and its significance, recognition. I wanted to have its moment, its own stand-up ovation, recognition, award, and gratitude for helping me cope with a pain so deep that had to be covered up with a nervous laugh and discounted to a fleeting little memory. So I want to pause here for a moment and take a deep breath. And if while listening to this show, you have somehow recalled a story of your own, a memory, an image of your own scarlet letter, then I invite you to do this with me. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath and feel the story. Feel all the feelings, all of the feelings of shame, guilt, hurt, heartache, ridicule, feel it all. Do not try to push any of it away. And if you have to cry, then cry. If you have to scream, scream. Grab a pillow. Pause this track and give yourself the opportunity to grieve, to feel, to acknowledge. And then come back with me and let's set this story loose. Also, let's do a little exercise. Why not? I invite you all to take a moment and write down things you want to let go of. I'm releasing this episode today, October 8th, and tomorrow is full moon. So if you're listening to it in the next couple of days, this is the perfect time to do. Full moons are potent times to let go of things no longer serving us. And I will give you an example of how to do this. And let's just use this story that I just shared, my, my story as a basis. Let's see. So who could I be angry with? Where could I still be holding resentment or hurt towards another? Well, first and foremost, I am angry with myself. I'm angry with myself for believing this story. For subjugating myself to such harsh, unattainable expectations, 
for not loving myself enough to know that we all flow with the ebbs and flows of life and there's ups and downs and it's okay to be, to be okay with that and to know that we can always come back to equilibrium, to not effort and try so hard to become something that I'm not. I could also be angry and hold resentment towards the men who used me as a tool to motivate each other, not caring that I'm a human being with feelings. And perhaps their ridicule could negatively affect me. My addiction to the man is apparent, and this story could very well be the beginning of this deep addiction, although I do feel that it started somewhere much earlier than that. But I am now releasing these men from their role that I put them into because I did put them into these roles to show me my addiction. And so I release them from having to play this role anymore. And I release myself from playing along. I release myself from this storyline. But before I do so, I do want to give my gratitude to everyone for their dedication and their willingness to step up to this difficult job that I had put them in that I had asked of them to do for me. And I let go of any anger, resentment, hurt, guilt, fear, all of it towards men. And I set them free. And I set myself free so I can fly. So I want to inspire you and challenge you, really to meditate on this, find out what it is deep down within that might be hiding a lie about you that you have not told anyone. Maybe it's disguised as a little thing, a no big deal, a stupid little story, but is it really? Is it just an insignificant little story or could this be the beginning or the root of your biggest lie about yourself that has shaped your life and is running your life in a way that's not serving your highest. It's not serving the people you love and it's not serving humanity at, all, at large. You know, one of my biggest asks that I do on a daily basis possibly for the last, I don't know how long, I, I think my whole life, is or has been that I step into my full power and I can ease into the knowing that I can fully support myself and my family. The domino effect that this old story started with me, within me has left me at a point where I felt that my only redemption is to rely on an investment I had made a few years ago. How stupid. Oh, stupid that the only way I can keep going is knowing that there is this investment, but the world changes. 
our financial system is falling apart. Everything is up for grabs. Nothing is certain anymore. Nothing can be taken for granted. And I'm glad that we're being shown this, what is true and what is not, what is real and what is not, what we can root ourselves in and what is just a deception. And I want to pull this fake imaginary lifeline from underneath myself and stand firm in the knowing that I am supported. So the last few weeks, I've had opportunities presented to me that could potentially provide me with income that could set me and my family financially free. Every opportunity involves sales, whether you are running a store, whether you are selling something, whether you are selling your services, there's always sales included. So in order for me to grasp these opportunities, this belief about myself that I'm a fraud, that I'm this, I'm supposed to be this superstar salesperson that has now lost its credibility, but still somehow running the show that I must live up to some bullshit expectation. This story must go. It must be fully released. And this is my prayer for myself. And this is my prayer for you that we can fully, completely release these narratives that are holding us back. So what am I to do? In the past, I've known two ways of being. I either pulled up my big girl panties and efforted my way through like a bull, or I shriveled up, shied away, shrunk into nothingness and rejected myself before anyone else could, could reject me. But there must be a middle way, a different way, a new way. And there is a middle path. And that is what I choose. And that is what I choose to take. No expectations, no ideas, no beliefs, no wishful thinking, no desires. So there it is, my friends. My own personal secret revealed. I feel a little lighter. Uh, so I do want to inspire you that if you do have something that you feel that you can't share with anyone else, give it a try. It will definitely take a, a load off. And not only that, but let's make some room. Let's make some room within ourselves for new experiences to come in. I'm tired. I'm done with the old. I'm sure you are too. So let's do it. And I want to thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you feel inspired and called to support this podcast, I would really greatly appreciate it. And you can do so by clicking the link in the description below. And I truly appreciate your support and your love. I really do. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Much love to you. <laughs>